Amen. So you guys can go ahead and take a seat. Uh, this is normally the part in our service where uh, we would take some time and greet the people around us. But today, after the service, we are going to be having a, uh, a picnic next door in the cafeteria. So there'll be pizza and salad over there. So that is going to be a great chance to connect uh, with other people who are here. would encourage you to join us for that. Even if this is your first morning, you don't have to have brought anything. You're welcome to just pop over there. So rather than taking the time to greet everyone in here, we'll just wait to do that until we're uh, next door after the service. So uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about really, really, what does it mean to be human? That's going to be in some ways the question that we're answering. And in a lot of ways, uh, it's a question that feels fresh in an especially new or, or relevant way, uh, at least in my life. I'm always thinking about this with all of the robots that are around in the world right now. Uh, I, it's such an interesting question, right? Of like, what makes humans different from these machines that we're creating? I read this, a few, this was a few months ago, that people were suspicious that chat GPT uh, was getting seasonal affective disorder. Have any, had, did any of you read that? Like people were complaining that its answers to questions were getting shorter, that the algorithm seemed lazier, that it was kind of sassy. And they're like, is this, like what, what's going on? Is it that it's learned kind of this behavior from people who are checking out over you know, November, December? Who knows? But really, it's kind of raised this question to the forefront of a lot of people's minds of what does it mean to be human? And the scriptures speak a ton to that. Really, the scriptures, uh, they're, they're a textbook on what it means to be human. And the Bible answers that question in all kinds of different ways. But at the heart of its answer for what it means for us to be human is that to be human is to desire and be created for connection. That what is true about every person who has ever lived is that each one of us has been created for connection with God, for connection with ourselves, and for connection with other people. That's true about every human who has ever lived. That we're created for, oh, for connection with God, with ourselves, and with other people. I'm also getting the signal that if you um, are in first or second grade for Kid Town, you can go ahead and head out to Kid Town right now. <laughs> so for all of you kids who are waiting on the edge of your seat, Praise God. Third and fifth grade also, you can join Mr. Andy and Miss Emily over here to the left. <laughs> it's not a show, guys, so here we are. <laughs> yes, there we go. Okay. <laughs> oh, my. Well, hopefully everyone's able to focus a little bit better now. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So we have been created for connection with God, with ourselves, and with other people. Uh, and this morning, we're talking about that. We've been talking about it kind of all January. Actually, you've probably heard me say it quite a few times, that as a community, that's what we want to be about, that we're a community that helps people connect with God, with themselves, and with other people, because that's how we were created. And to explore what that means a little bit this morning, uh, we're going to dive into Psalm 42, because the Psalms are, out of all the books in the Bible, are are specifically, uh, well, let's say it like this. When I had my first breakup in high school, um, I knew how to do a breakup. And I knew how to do a breakup because of the songs I had listened to, right? The All-American Rejects had taught me what it was supposed to feel like to be, to be in a breakup, to have a breakup happen. That, that the songs that I had listened to, the songs that we listened to in a lot of ways condition us, they teach us not the, necessarily the content, like the facts about what it means to be human, but what it means to feel like a human. And that's what the Psalms are all about. They're God's, uh, they're God's songbook and they're songs that teach us what it means to be human. They cover the gamut of human emotions. Even the emotions that you don't feel like are appropriate for church, they're covered in the Psalms. 
So we're gonna be in Psalm 42 this morning and then we're gonna let it teach us not only what it like intellectually means to be human, but let us feel out the space of what it means to be human. So I'm gonna invite Eva Castillo to come up. Eva's gonna be reading for us this morning uh, out of Psalm 42. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip there. And if you don't, um, it won't be on the screen behind me because we don't have a screen. So you can just listen close. Um, Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all, all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude of keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. <clears throat> from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls the deep, at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and waves have gone over me. <laughs> By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with, with me. A prayer to the God of my life, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, and I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Pray with me. Father, we are thankful for your word. Lord, we're thankful uh, that you would teach us how to be human. Not only the facts about what that means, Lord, but uh, that you would know us well enough to be able to, through your word, remind us what it feels like. And Jesus, as we open your word this morning, as we dive into it, Lord, we pray that you would awaken in us the hunger that you've put in us to be connected with you, uh, to be connected with ourselves and be, to be connected with other people. And we pray these things uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So guys, we figured that because this morning is already a little bit different, we're gonna do the sermon part of this morning a little bit different as well. So for each of our points, the three points, connecting with God, connecting with ourselves and connecting with others, uh, after each of those, I'm gonna invite someone from our congregation to come up, uh, to come and kind of share a testimony about the way they've experienced that kind of connection as a part of this community. So, and I've already asked those people to do it. So don't, I'm not gonna like randomly call on you. No one's gonna be forced to volunteer in the moment. Don't worry. Uh, but well, you know, that, that's gonna be a part of this morning because the hope is that through the scripture, we'd be connecting uh, with those hungers for ourselves. And that if you're new, you would get a sense of what that means and looks like here. Uh, and that if you've been around for a while, that God would be stirring that up in you and reminding you why it is that we do this thing together every week. And I can get up here and talk about that a lot, but sometimes hearing uh, from other people in this congregation stirs that up even more effectively. So I'm excited for you to hear uh, from those people as we, as we go along. So first, just to speak to connection with God and the way that this, Psalms, this psalm uh, speaks to that. We see it so clearly in verses one and two of this chapter. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? 
If you guys grew up in the church or around the church at all, uh, there is this song that was written in 1984 out of this psalm called As the Deer. You may remember it, okay? It's very uh, slow and melodic, peaceful, as the deer. You guys know that one? Okay. And if you were to like look up a YouTube video of that song, you would probably find uh, like this montage of deer next to streams, like very peacefully lapping up water. Guys, that is not at all the picture that the psalmist is trying to paint for us. A deer that is panting for water is a deer that is desperate for water, a deer that knows that if it doesn't get water soon, it's gonna die. And that kind of deer is is violent in its desire for water. The panting is not like a, I'm not gonna pant into the microphone, but, it, but it's not like your, your dog after like a little bit of a run. It's like a, like a moaning, a bellowing toward water. There's this voracious thirst that the psalmist is describing in this deer. And he's saying, that's, that's me that my soul is so thirsty for God. It is longing for connection for God. It's, it's hungry for connection with God. There's a desperation that the psalmist is pulling out here, uh, a, a, a gasping for God. Maybe you hear that and you think, well, of course. Of course, the person who writes what was contemporary Christian music would say that, right? This like very spiritual person who writes the Psalms would be desperate for God. Guys, that's true about all of us. It's true about what it means to be human is that each of us is, is desperate, is hungry for connection with God. It's what it means to be human. Now, we may forget that. Romans tells us we suppress it, we push it down, we distance ourselves from it, we distract ourselves from it, from all of the busyness in our lives. But it's still there. When you're quiet and alone with yourself, how often uh, does that desire start to rear its head? Start to push its way up in your life. The desire for something more, for something bigger, to be a part of something transcendent. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says it like this. It says that, uh, that God has written eternity into our hearts. That God has written eternity into men's hearts. that you have an infinite desire for, for love, for belonging, for relationship, for beauty, for acceptance, for power and for purpose. It's a desire that's so deep that it can't be met by, by one other person or simply by your human relationships. Like maybe you've had this experience where you've had like a really great dinner with friends and like the food's been really good drinks have been really good, the conversation has been really good, and you think, oh, I just never want this to end, right? I have a babysitter, so I don't have to deal with my kids. This is so great. I never want it to end, right? And you drive home, and you kind of drive home almost in this glow of the evening. You know what I'm talking about? You think, oh, this is it. And even that that glow can sometimes hang with you for, for a day or two. But then it goes away. And it leaves you with this ache of, oh, I want more of, that, of what I just tasted. Yes. The psalmist is saying, yes. What you're tasting there is your infinite desire that ultimately is made and can only be satisfied in the eternity of God. There's this old dead guy. Uh, his name is Augustine. Uh, really famous theologian in the church. And he says, uh, 
Our souls were created, our hearts were created for you, O Lord, and they find their they find their rest when they find themselves in you. That we were created for connection with God, and the place that we find rest and home is is ultimately in the eternity of God. We were created for that kind of connection. And so I'm gonna invite uh, my friends, the Hastons, to come up and just share a little bit about what their experience has been like experiencing connection with God as a part of this community. Because we weave it into everything that we do. It's what we do when we gather here for worship on Sundays. It's what we do when we gather in small groups. And, and those times train us then for finding that connection in other places. So I've asked Josh and Alice to share a little bit about what that journey was like for them, finding a connection with God here as a part of this community. Thanks, guys. So this is, go ahead and introduce yourselves. It's uh, Josh and Alice. So. Uh, <laughs> Great. so we've been here since, uh, in Nashville, since June of 2017. And uh, we've been married two years before then, but a, a prayer throughout our entire marriage was to find community. Um, and when we first moved to Nashville, we did not, could not find that. Uh, church talked a lot. Uh, every six, eight months, we'd find a new church and couldn't find connection uh, until COVID. Uh, we moved to Eastside and moved right next door to Andy and Joanna. Um, and one day, Andy was grilling outside and invited us to come to East Nashville, uh, or Midtown East. And um, I guess the rest is kind of history in terms of attending. Um, and through part of that, I guess we found community and experienced community and experienced connections, other people's connections to God. Um, and that drove a deeper desire within us as well. Um, since then, we have also, uh, again, been invited uh, and experienced growth spiritually by leading a small group starting last semester, and that's um, just continued to deepen our relationships and, again, seeing growth in other individuals and spurring growth within individuals has just been really great for, for me. Uh, and I think for you, <laughs> so, uh, but it's just been really great to experience growth together um, and again, just see that in other people and spurring uh, more growth. Um, I, I would just say, I think our journey before Midtown East felt very transitory in the sense that there were seasons where we were moving, we were both in grad school, then there was a pandemic. And so I think those kinds of transitions had an effect of our relation, my relationship with God, I think you would say that as well, as being very independent of where we were attending church. And I think being here at Midtown East has been a great reminder for me and how the church is us. And so how I have a relationship with God independent of where I am, but he is also calling me to grow in that relationship by being with people. So this has been a good reminder of that. Thanks, guys.
right? So what, what you heard Josh and Alice say is that uh, they had a hunger and a desire to connect with God. And they were looking for it in a lot of different churches and a lot of different places. And uh, this is the place that God led them and planted them. And they begin to find that connection on a deeper level here and amongst you guys. That's what we hope for. That's what we pray for. That's what this community is about. There are all kinds of amazing churches in Nashville where people are finding community. Uh, we want to be a place that people here in East, people uh, in Madison and Goodlettsville and Hermitage, that people are, this is one of those places that people are finding that connection with God because we're desperate for it. So that's connection with God. This passage also speaks to uh, connection with ourselves, that we were created to connect with ourselves. And we see it in verse seven of this passage. It says, deep calls to deep as the roar of your waterfalls, as at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and waves have gone over me. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. So the picture that comes to mind for me uh, reading that verse is of standing in front of the ocean, right? And almost like the ocean in the midst of a storm where it, it sounds like there's a jet plane flying over, but, but really it's just the waves all up and down the beach crashing and crashing and crashing. And you know that if you were to go out into the ocean, uh, swim out into it, pretty soon your feet wouldn't be able to touch the bottom. Sometimes it kind of freaks you out. You're like, is there a shark down there? Right? What's happening? But you could keep going and it would, it would keep getting bigger. You could keep going down. And you, in some ways, if, if, you were, if it was just you swimming, you'd never be able to touch the bottom. That's the deep of God, the eternity of God, the, the bigness of God that we're meant to connect with. And yet what the psalmist says is that deep cries to deep. The, that there is something in us, a depth in us that resonates, that connects with, that longs for the deep in God, which means there is a depth in each of you. For every person in this room, there is a depth of experience and story and life lived that is that is, in a sense, inaccessible to anybody else in this room. That you could spend your whole life narrating to someone else what is happening inside of you, and that person would never be able to totally get inside your mind and life and figure it out and experience it like you've experienced it. That's part of what it means to be a human, is to have that kind of depth locked inside of your own story. And yet so often we live unaware of that depth. And what the psalmist, what we see here is that he's aware of it in himself. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? That's verse five. In verse nine, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Then again in verse 11, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? The psalmist has become aware of the depth of his own life experience and emotion. The song comes from a place of that kind of awareness. And what's critical about this psalmist's awareness is that his awareness of himself actually drives him deeper into connection with God. Into connection with God. Into connection with God. that his awareness of himself drives him deeper into connection with God. You can think about uh, our emotional lives. I've heard it described as an iceberg, right? That 10% of that iceberg is above the surface. What we're aware of kind of in our day-to-day -day lives. But when we stop and are quiet and make the space, we realize 
there's a whole life that's happening under the surface. A life that we struggle to be aware of, a life that other people struggle to be aware of at times. And guys, the Titanic did not sink because it hit the top 10% of the iceberg, right? It was what was going on under the surface. We know that that's so often what drives what's happening in our lives is all of that stuff that's going on under the surface. And becoming aware of that, what it does is it makes us aware of our need for God. That's what the psalmist says in this passage. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? So he's looked within himself. He's explored what is happening under the waterline. And then he tells his heart, hope in God for I again shall praise him, my salvation in my God. Rather than drowning in the, in the depth of his own emotion, right? He's reaching out for God in that place of need. So the depth of ourselves, it drives us to connect with God. It drives us into understanding our deep need for God, our dependence on God. My salvation and my God is what the psalmist calls God. Shows us our need for God to save us, to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The two go hand in hand. And this is so important because often kind of what we hear uh, in, in our kind of cultural discourse is this idea that if you really wanna find God, don't ask anybody else for their thoughts. Just, just turn into yourself and ask yourself what you believe, what you think God is like. And when you kind of find what most resonates with you, that that's who God is for you. So you have your God and I have my God and they have their God and we all have our own gods. Guys, what scripture calls that is idolatry. It's making a God in our own image. Because if that's the way that we find God, all we can ever find is just a bigger version of ourselves. And a bigger version of myself is never gonna save me, is never gonna deliver me, is never gonna give me the help that I need. No, but to know ourselves rightly, to know our desperate need is to know that we need a God who is bigger than us, who is, who is more infinite than us, uh, and who is so much more capable and loving and perfect and holy than we can ever be in ourselves. We need that God to come for us. And that's what, that's what the psalmist is crying out for and is displaying for us, how his awareness, his, his connection with himself actually prepares him for and draws him into deeper connection with God, not God as he imagines him to be, but God as he has revealed himself to be in the scriptures, which is why in the midst of a really dark time when the psalmist says it feels like God is far away, he can say to himself, hope in God, for I again shall praise him, right? He knows God's character. Even in the midst of his sadness, he's able to say, by, by day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Because God is not defined by the way the psalmist feels about God. God is an objective, eternal reality who has revealed his true nature to the psalmist through the word and through his action and history, most of all through Jesus, right? So the psalmist's awareness of himself draws him into deeper connection with God. So I'm gonna invite my friend Shannon Turner to come up. Uh, and Shannon uh, is going to speak to her experience of, of this, uh, her growing connection with herself and what that has meant for her connection with God. Hi, I'm Shannon. Um, I know that God changed my life because if Brian asked me to do this about a year ago, I would say absolutely not. Um, and I have notes because um, I'm going to lose my train of thought if I don't. Um, but I have been coming to Midtown um, since around 2018, um, so quite some time. Um, and until very, fairly recently, I kind of held people at an arm's distance, and that was kind of the way that I operated um, because it was safer for me. Um, 
to uh, kind of portray a sense of who I wanted people to think that I was. Um, it was safer for me to believe that I was that version of myself. Um, and people who are in this room um, really faithfully pursued me um, and called that out and saw that. Um, and so my small group, um, our elder team, Brant, um, through many, many years of me hiding as much as I possibly could, um, showed me that I was actually just loved the way that I was, um, which was kind of shocking. Um, if I would occasionally let my guard down and have an authentic thought, I wasn't immediately rejected. Um, and because of a, a lot of reasons that um, bewildered me. Um, and so I um, went through a process of like, learning very basic emotions as an adult, um, which is very humbling, um, but was much needed. Um, and just through years of really faithfully being discipled and being shown the gospel um, through really intentional friends who showed up in my life in a lot of ways, um, I was able to recognize who I am. Um, as God made me and as God created me to be really, really fully known um, and really fully beloved. Um, so after I'd kind of learned that I can be um, fully loved just as I am, um, as I learned to name very basic emotions, um, I opened my eyes and realized that I was in an abusive marriage. Um, and that was also very shocking. Um, and through, again, a lot of very kind, very intentional, very faithful people who are in this room and some who aren't, um, was able to walk through that process of knowing that because I am loved by the creator of the universe, I don't need to find that love anywhere else where that is not true. Um, and even as I walked through um, kind of a journey of reconciliation um, and then ultimately divorce, um, what God taught me through that process was that I did not need to be anything less um, than who God created me to be um, as my full, authentic, very needy, very, very needy self. Um, and it was a gift to be able to come to a point where I could know who I was and what I needed and be able to articulate it, not out of a place of kind of self-sufficiency or self-idolation, but, but more fully to step into the life that God created for me. Um, and it changed everything in my life, um, kind of as I've stepped into that freedom of, of, of the life that God created. Um, for me to me, I now knew what healthy connection looked like. I now knew what healthy relationship looked like. Um, and that was wild. Like, it's really, really cool to know that God has freed me into so much more than I ever could have imagined. Um, so yeah, now I get to walk in the freedom of knowing that I've been set free. Um, and that's just a gift. And again, just, just want to underline what Shannon was sharing, that her willingness to go on a journey of understanding what was happening below the surface uh, and into her own life, uh, it showed her her desperate need for God and that God met her there uh, and did something in her and through her, is doing something in and through her that she never could have imagined. And 
it makes me teary to think about. Uh, the woman who is standing up here is not the woman who would have been standing up here a few years ago because of what God has done in her life and because of her willingness to become aware of what was going on in her and in- encounter her need for God. So we were created for connection with God, created for connection with ourselves. And what the psalmist also points out in this passage is that we are created for connection with each other. He says in verse four, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. What the psalmist is talking about uh, is basically like a feast day in Jerusalem when all of the people of God would be gathered together and they'd be going in this massive parade toward the temple. And what the psalmist is saying is, I love that. And in the midst of his sadness, he's looking back and he's thinking, oh, I'm remembering that so well. I I ache not only for connection with God, but for connection with other people. And that in his becoming aware of his desire for connection with God, what it throws him back to is the times that he felt most connected to other people. I remember reading this psalm during COVID and I thought, I get it. I don't know that I'd ever felt this psalm like I had felt it then. Thinking, oh, I just miss being with God's people, with you guys. Because that's what we were created for. And we could talk all about like the Genesis narrative when God tells Adam, uh, he says, it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Adam's got all these animals and God is saying, you having a pet, whatever, is not the same thing as having a person. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone, but man is walking with God. That there is a unique way that God has created us for connection with each other. And that's what the psalmist is longing for here, that this this journey toward God is not a journey that we can do alone. The picture of God's people, it's always as God's people moving together toward God. Yes, there's an individual piece in that, that we all have individual stories in that, but we are always called into that journey alongside other people. Guys, even the setting of this psalm, the directions for this psalm, which have been in the text for a long time, it says, to the choir master, to the choir master, which means this song was written to be sung by a group of people. This song that is so intensely and intimately personal was written so that God's people could sing it together to realize it's not just your story or my story or her story or his story. It's our story is this story because we're a people who are journeying toward God together. It's what we were created for. Let's just acknowledge, guys, that our world has totally flattened out our desire for this kind of connection and has turned it almost in every way into the romantic and sexual. And that making uh, marriage and romance kind of the, the top, the peak, the pinnacle of relationship does not do justice to how God created us or to the testimony of God's word. Because into eternity, okay, in the new heavens and the new earth, when God comes and remakes this whole thing, do you know if you are married, you will not be married anymore? that marriage doesn't exist in the new heavens and the new earth. But what will exist is our, is our friendships, our connections with each other. That uh, throughout, throughout the scriptures, especially in the, in the New Testament, marriage is something that is seen as a, as a great good, as a singleness. Both are good and are permitted in the New Testament. But the friendship of walking with God's people toward God, that's required. That's why the predominant metaphor that God uses to describe his people is brothers and sisters. 
He's saying that when you come into my family, when you connect with me, what's true about you now is that you gain this whole family of brothers and sisters. And that, that metaphor, that way of relating is to be the primary way that we connect with each other because we need each other. We need each other as we are journeying toward God together. And I'm gonna invite Cam Lackey to come up uh, Cam is going to share with us a little bit of his story uh, of how being a part of this community has uh, helped him connect with God, how you guys have played such a pivotal role in his journey toward God. Um, yeah, so I'm Cam Lackey. Um, thanks, Andy. Um, have been a part of the East community for, I haven't done the math, but probably five, six years. Um, so take you back a little bit, and I'm going to try to keep this brief. If you know me, that's, that's tough sometimes, but I, I will do my best. So if it gets too long, somebody just give me a, one of these. Uh, yeah. Um, so probably 2018-ish, um, I was a part of a men's group that's been meeting for about 10 years now. And there were a few of us in particular that lived over on the east side, um, myself, Andy Cole, Warren, and Mike, and Warren and Andy and Mike, or Warren and Andy and I were kind of looking for a place to settle down, plant our feet a little bit uh, with the church community, and uh, Mike had said, you guys should come check out Midtown East, and so um, we came over, uh, actually kind of were pushed over a little bit, so Warren and Andy and I went to... Um, Midtown 12 South for quite a few Sundays, and Elliot gave one of his patented, um, if you live closer to another congregation, pray about going there, but also go there. Um, <laughs> and so we took that advice, and Mike had been kind of pushing us, uh, like, come check out East. And um, so we joined East, um, well, not joined at first, but we, uh, we joined a small group. So John Freund... Um, invited Warren and myself into a small group, and we just started making connections there. Uh, Warren and Andy and I started getting plugged in with doing setup and serving, and it was at an interesting time because it was at a time where this church did not have a pastor. Um, the previous pastor had just left, and so it was a little different because up until that point, um, most of my church decisions were based off of, well, who's the pastor and how do I, you know, how do I feel like I am receiving that message and more of a consumer mentality. Um, and at East, we found an opportunity to serve and to connect with a lot of the people. And so um, through joining a small group, through getting plugged in with setup and doing those kinds of things, um, all of a sudden we had kind of a, a community here to do life with on a week-by-week -week basis. Um, and, you know, with that comes some really beautiful things and some really hard things. And, uh, you know, while I was um, continuing to show up every week and stay invested in that community, um, I had some things going on in my life in the background um, that I tried to keep hidden. And, um, you know, the Lord has a way of 
shining a light on those things in a really sweet way. Um, not a fun way, but a sweet way uh, when, you're, when you put yourself in that community and in that setting. Um, and so it wasn't long before, um, you know, my, my struggle with alcohol really started to show itself to the people around me and uh, in a way that people weren't willing to observe uh, just kind of a decrease uh, in seeing the best version of me and they were not willing to see that and know who I was capable of being in Christ and allow me to keep going down that path. Um, and so, uh, with the help of a lot of those people in both my men's group and in my small group, um, really kind of launched my trajectory into a completely different direction, um, into recovery, um, and just into um, a life of, of connection and, you know, fighting against the, um, the, the natural urge to hide those things that we're so ashamed of and so um, afraid that if we bring to the surface, we're going to be uh, cast away. And to really be fully seen by this community and fully accepted and loved, um, it's not a stretch to say that I'm not sure that I would still be here today if it wasn't for, for this church community and for the people that God put in my life. Um, and so you all know who you are. Hopefully I've been able to individually thank each of you, but um, just want to thank this entire community for being a place that uh, messed up people can come and it doesn't happen overnight, but you can come to this place with whatever you're fighting. And I think my biggest, uh, and sorry for being a little, a little shaky, uh, but I think my biggest uh, piece of, of what I would encourage is that, you know, if you're struggling with something, this is exactly where you need to be. And don't, you know, the, the natural temptation, I know, because I've lived it, is to to run and to go to hide whatever that is, um, this is where you need to be because we can't fight some of these battles alone. And there's some battles that are just too big to, to overcome just based on willpower and things like that. And, um, you know, I think just responding to the call of community, even when I knew I wasn't really in a place where I had a ton to offer at the time, but the Lord was continuing to put things in my life, put people in my life that uh, were going to bring me closer to Him. Um, he was making me into a person who was actually um, maybe a, uh, I don't know, reasonably eligible bachelor. Um, <laughs> you know, it... Uh, on the front end of all this, that was not the case, and uh, still not the case in a lot of ways, but he's continuing to work on me, and um, 
you know, I've, I've met the love of my life, and um, that just wouldn't have happened without this community continuing to pull me and fight for uh, my righteousness and who I was ultimately made to be. And in the meantime, Jesus was doing a lot of cool things in, in her life around that time, too. And we've talked that, you know, if we would have met, and she was, I've kind of pulled her over from 12 South. She's kind of uh, planted her feet here, um, and we're grateful for that. But, you know, she's, she's had a lot, of, uh, a lot of people on that side of the fence and, and now on this side of the fence really pour into her life as well and, and continue to mold her and, and make her a better person too. So um, just want to say thanks and that, you know, whatever your fight is, um, don't run from it. Keep showing up. And, you know, you'll, you'll get so much love and support that can really help push you through. So thanks. So guys, I hope as we have walked through this psalm and as you've heard uh, stories from your friends, uh, that what it's stirring up in you is your hunger for connection with God. That what it's stirring up in you is a hunger for connection with yourself and that what it's stirring up in you is a hunger for connection with other people, uh, even other people uh, in this room. And if you're wondering how, how do I do that? We got all kinds of house. Being here on a Sunday morning, the small groups that we do, the stuff that we do afterwards, like these picnics. Uh, and yet the answer to the how really is yes. Uh, that you would keep showing up and doing the hard work of getting to know the people who are here uh, and trusting that God's gonna meet us there. Uh, I'm gonna pray for us and we'll sing a few more songs and then we'll, uh, we'll go eat. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, and Lord, we're thankful for the, the stories, the testimonies of these friends uh, who, are, who are here to tell us that, uh, that it's true, uh, that it's true not only as facts in our heads, Lord, but that the, the truth of your word uh, is truth that is capable through your Holy Spirit of changing our hearts and changing us, changing lives. Uh, Jesus, we are desperate for you. And pray that as we, as we worship, uh, that you'd give us the, the gift of connecting with that desperation in our own lives. Lord, connecting with you, your abundant provision for us uh, when we come to you through Jesus. And that you would uh, even give us an experience of connecting with each other as we sing together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.